BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. Today we're discussing credit card companies cutting limits and postponing mortgage payments. This episode, we're going to cover mortgages, specifically uh, skipping, maybe paying your mortgage payments. If you're in need, you know we're going to get into the details of that. And not everybody has an actual mortgage, but a lot of people have credit cards. And so we're going to cover some of these changes that these credit card companies are making to the lines of credit that they have out to folks and how that specifically affects us as consumers. Yeah, man. I think skipping a mortgage payment uh, in a normal month in under normal circumstances not a good idea. Yeah. right? That puts you in a bad place. <laughs> but for some people, mortgage forbearance is a real issue and, and they need to know how to tackle it. They need to know whether they qualify and then how to go about getting it and then what they're entitled to. So we'll, we'll talk about that later on in the episode. Yeah, man, that's right. So, all right, quarantine. This is like week seven, essentially. Uh, how are you guys doing, by the way? Yeah, I feel like we're holding up pretty well. The beginning actually was tougher. The transition, the first two or three weeks, trying to figure out school and routine and what things were going to look like for our family. But I feel like we've actually settled in kind of nicely. And we're actually starting to appreciate aspects of it uh, a whole lot more than we were right at the beginning. Originally, I think we were not too comfortable with the new situation. Right. And now I think we've, we've made some positive changes kind of in our family dynamic. And one of the biggest changes for us has been we've just become more comfortable resting and being together and just enjoying time, uh, This the five of us. And I think not that we didn't do that before, but I think the lack of being able to go and do and 
the lack of things on our calendar has just made us feel way more able to enjoy the downtime that we have and just to do very little like a picnic outside or yeah. whatever just like the small things and enjoy those things so i think in that way the seventh week of quarantine has been really good like last weekend we had the best weekend we've had all quarantine the weather was awesome we hung out outside climbed trees uh, all that kind of stuff and and it was it was great yeah could you imagine like if this was all going on in the middle of the winter uh, like, <laughs> no that is probably the only saving grace is the fact that the weather has been nicer we've been able to be outside versus if this was between like thanksgiving like around Christmas, you know, beginning of January when it was cold and raining literally every single day, at least down here in the Southeast. And the times when you want to see your family and friends the most and oh you can't. God, gosh, yeah, that's so true. But yeah, I'm with you. We, uh, except that with us, like you mentioned how early on it was tough for us, like early on, it was nice because it kind of felt like a special treat. <laughs> like it felt like a snow day sort of thing where it's like we had a unprompted week off or two weeks off. But it was after that where it started to feel kind of like, oh, oh no, this is this is our real life now. <laughs> but uh, but nice, man. I'm glad to hear you guys are doing well. Man, we're going to dive into those topics that we mentioned. But first, let's share some of that good news. Uh, let's get the good news. I love starting there every week. And so, yeah, this is where we kind of share some of the, the highlights of positive news that, that's happening right now that in all likelihood, some of it affects you. And if it doesn't, it's just fun to be able to talk about. So one grocery store chain, Matt Publix, they're in the Southeast based out of Florida. They're buying excess food from farmers to give to local food banks. I thought that was really cool, right? This is such great news because there's so much milk and fresh produce going to waste because of inflexible supply chains, right? All that food was meant for restaurants and hotels, many of which are closed right now. They've donated 150,000 pounds of produce, 43,000 gallons of milk were donated just in the first week alone of this program. So it's really cool to see. Because I've seen stories of, of farmers having to to dump milk altogether. It just goes to waste. In in the Netherlands, they plowed under like millions of tulips. They just... That's so crazy. Yeah, the market was just gone. It evaporated for tulips. <laughs> and I'm like, send them all to my house. I love tulips. <laughs> but yes. Did you imagine what the inside of a tulip farmer's house looked like? Because if they were just going to plow them under, you know, they're just getting as many as possible, but they're probably just completely sick of them. Right. You know? Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, it's cool to see a company like Publix doing something just really, really helpful, like buying that food and, and donating it to people in need. Yeah, that's such good news. And it's good to see a company, a grocery store like Publix stepping up, uh, kind of filling the void, kind of like stepping into that gap. Because the problem is our supply chains, right? Like we live in such a kind of complicated, interconnected world that it's difficult to to change courses because of the size of our economy. Be, you know, but basically once the trains left the station, it's hard to reroute things. And so it it does take a little bit more nimbleness. And that's not easy to do, but I'm certainly glad to see a a, a company like Public stepping up. Yeah, I saw a story the other day about this toilet paper company in New Mexico. And apparently all their toilet paper goes to office buildings and schools. And so Basically, their toilet paper wasn't going anywhere <laughs> for, for a little while. And while the grocery store shelves were barren, they couldn't get rid of their toilet paper. So what they did was they opened up their toilet paper to people in the surrounding areas. And they basically had people come up and pay for these giant bolt <laughs> <laughs> toilet paper rolls. You and, would have been in heaven. <laughs> and apparently... <laughs> I could buy a whole crate. Right, right. Great. It's, you know, I'm into massive amounts of toilet paper at one time. <laughs> and and people were lined up for miles to oh, buy this up. toilet paper. So it's kind of it's kind of one of those crazy scenarios. It's, it's not that there isn't enough. It's that it's hard to redirect exactly. into the right place. Yeah. Well, speaking of of food if you know you are in a tougher situation uh, maybe you're looking for free meals 
in particular, if you're looking for free meals for kids, like there's a good chance that a local school near you uh, has resources for you. So uh, check out nokidhungry.org. They've got this awesome searchable map, which has the days of the week as well as the times uh, that they have meals ready to go. Um, obviously, like you're going to pick those up <laughs> in a bag, but uh, that's a fantastic resource for folks who may not already be taking advantage of that. Yeah, Matt, there's another cool piece of good news I think we should bring up. And there's a site called The Phoenix. It's a resource for local small businesses to find funding that they need right now. And we've talked a good bit about the national PPP program that was set up to basically help small businesses to get through this time. And we've heard anecdotally from a few friends that they've been able to get PPP funding. But everything I'm reading says that a whole lot of small businesses just missed out on the funding. And it looks like they're going to miss out on some of this second round of funding too, uh, sadly enough. And and so, yeah, that program, while it's been at least somewhat of a disaster, it hasn't worked exactly like I think the, the authorities hoped it would. Well, it's important for people to check and see if their state has any local lending programs available for small businesses. So there's more than just this federal program. So we'll post a link to the Phoenix in our show notes. Some states have none. Some states have a few like Georgia and other states have a ton like California. There's 36 different programs there for small businesses to be able to get funds to continue to run uh, inexpensively. So yeah, the, the Phoenix is, is a helpful website for people to, to look into right now to get that money to keep their business afloat. Some other good news, the Gates Foundation, which is run by Bill and Melinda Gates. Heard of them. Actually, Matt, Emily and I just watched a a three-part documentary about Bill Gates on Netflix. Three-part? Wow. I didn't know there was so much good information about Bill Gates. Dude, he's done so much to help other people. And the fact that the Gates Foundation for basically a decade now has done an incredible amount of work. and, And I feel like actually they're poised at this point in time to make such a dramatic impact. Which is so awesome, right? Yeah. Like, like that they've done so well and what they've pretty much focused on up until now, I feel like it just fits and like dovetails so well with the current health crisis. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Emily and I were saying like, if it hadn't have been for the last 10 years of what they've been doing, he just wouldn't really have his bearings to be able mm-hmm. to make an impact. But because he's focused on the eradication of polio and he's just focused on all these other health endeavors worldwide, he's uniquely poised to make an impact and in particular with the billions and billions of dollars that he's got at his disposal too so it's yeah it's cool to see like bill gates here for a time like this to to help everybody well the last documentary i watched was about scotch so (laughs) (laughs) you're watching what about bill gates i learned a lot about scotch uh in particular this one distiller who made a name for himself (laughs) well hey scotch is worth considering as well man i I like scotch i'll say me too well you know we're talking about bill gates he also wrote this awesome opinion piece over in the Financial Times last week. And he said that we've taken an organization that was focused on HIV and malaria and polio eradication and almost entirely shifted it to work on this, this being COVID-19. This has the foundation's total attention. Even our non-health related work like higher education and K-12 is completely switched around to look at how you facilitate online learning. So, I mean, just got to say that I'm majorly thankful for his brain and his philanthropic efforts right now. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, willing we'll to a post that he wrote on his blog too, Matt, called The First Modern Pandemic and his insight, his research, his foundation, the way they've been able to, to provide support right now, that's definitely good news. So I think there is one bit of bad news that we have to share though, Matt, on the show today. I don't know if we've really been sharing any bad news, <laughs> but I, I saw this. I mean, 
all news related to COVID-19 <laughs> is essentially bad news. Right. Actually, yeah, you're right. Which is why we highlight the good news. Everything else is by default kind of not good. But this is something that's <laughs> not necessarily health related. It's it's not part of the failure of the federal government to put money in the hands of people's <laughs> pockets. Um, but this, I, I saw this headline and I definitely shed a little bit of a tear. It, it said millions of kegs of beer are going stale right now. And I didn't realize too that when a keg of beer goes stale, it's a major pain to get rid of that beer. You can't just dump it down the drain. It's just so hard for brewers. I know that that you know we love beer, Matt, and, and so the brewers around the nation, especially the small brewers, are just having such a tough time right now. So yeah, I know we've done our best to support our local breweries, but it just makes me sad that, that some of our favorite brewers, their sales are down and at the same time, they're getting these kegs of beer sent back to them and it's just a pain. It's, it's really tough. So it's a hard slog right now for, for a whole lot of people in the craft beer industry. Yeah, man, it's a big deal here in the US and it's an even bigger deal in the UK where about half of all beer is enjoyed in public, uh, <laughs> like in pubs, bars, places like that, compared to only about 20% of beer is consumed in bars in the US. But there's good news, though. Within that Wall Street Journal article, they featured a pub owner who had made a website, and he offers delivery of his cask ales that he normally serves there in his pub. Uh, And so with that pivot, essentially, he is up to 60% of his normal revenues pre-COVID-19, which I thought was... Super awesome. Like what what a great way to take like this old, you know, you picture an old English pub and it's like there's no way that they're going to be able to be flexible and pivot and find a way to to meet the demand. But this guy is driving around delivering these uh, perishable ales to his customers. And I saw too, there's a picture of him sitting on a stool and he brings along a stool. That way he can sit there and talk with them uh, with some of his older customers who, who want to chat. So he's essentially bringing the pub to the people, <laughs> which I loved. I felt like that was such an amazing spirit that he uh, is bringing to you know his business and uh, keeping things alive during these tough times. Yeah, man, completely. This guy sounds resilient. And I think that the craft beer industry is is going to be resilient. You know, and most of these craft brewers, I hope, uh, are going to make a good comeback, you know, as we start to resume kind of a new normalcy in our lives as the economy begins to reopen, at least to a certain degree. All right, Matt, let's talk about credit card issuers cutting limits for consumers, because I think that's a really important thing that's going to affect a lot of our listeners in the coming days, if it hasn't already. So with a lot of people out of work and a, a lot of Americans having almost no money in savings, getting a credit line cut, that can be like a huge punch to the gut. And, and what I mean when I'm talking about getting a credit line cut, let's say you have a $10,000 limit on your credit card and you typically spend 1000 or 2000 every month and you pay it off every month, hopefully. Well, your credit card company might send you an email and say that your limit just got cut to $3,000. And in the case where you needed to be able to use your credit card to get by, to buy groceries, whatever it is, credit cards are often a place where consumers turn as a place usually of last resort in order to be able to keep paying the bills and keep food on the table. But a lot of people are going to find that harder to do because of these credit limit cuts. So we wanted people to be aware of that. The banks are already getting poised for credit card debt write-offs and they're trying to prevent more financial difficulty on their end. I understand that. But the credit line cuts are, are moves that happen without much warning, and they can really adversely affect everybody who, who it's happening to. Yeah, and from the banks and the credit card issuers perspective, like this all makes sense. You know, like they know that more of us are feeling the crunch due to income drying up or maybe just being without work altogether. And, you know, when you don't have enough money to last until the end of the month, like paying a credit card is pretty much 
going to be like last on your to-do list. You yeah. Know? Like, like they get the, they get the whatever's left over. Right. And it's unsecured debt. So it's not like you're going to lose your home if you don't pay your credit card bill. Exactly. Which is, which is a good thing, but that's why people pay their credit card bills last. And that's why the banks are worried. Right. And so then with more of us maybe relying on those credit cards to kind of pay for other expenses and then not being able to pay those bills, you know, a couple months later, like the banks, the credit card issuers, they are the ones who are going to be stuck with that bill. You know, these are going to be charge-offs that they're going to have to realize and incur which means them losing money. Yeah, for sure. And, and so, Matt, I think if anybody does get the notice that their credit limit is being reduced, it's really important to do this one particular thing. You should file an appeal with your credit card issuer. And it doesn't mean that they'll back off, that they'll raise your limit back up to what it was. But you might at least get it raised some, and you might get it raised back up to what it was. But filing an appeal is a crucial step because if you petition the credit card company, they just might listen, right? And that credit limit, Matt, we've talked about this before. It's so important when it comes to your credit score too. So this really could adversely affect people's credit scores as well, which which has many other impacts in your financial life. So yeah, trying to fight back on that and petition the credit card company to reinstate your former credit card limit, uh, I would recommend doing that. And then also too, just using your credit card less if your limit's lowered, just trying to keep that utilization low. That's going to help keep your score in a good spot as well. And if you still currently have a good credit score, uh, it might make sense to go ahead and open up another credit card for emergencies now, if you're able to, of course. Uh, you can go to howtomoney.com forward slash credit cards, and you can see some of our credit card recommendations based on how you spend typically. And then just make sure that you are using all the credit cards you have now currently to keep them active and to prevent your issuer from closing that account altogether. Some of the different credit card companies say that they're reassessing you know, your credit worthiness and how some folks might actually have increased limits. But we know that's <laughs> really not the case. Uh, the majority of folks are going to see those limits decrease because in some cases, they're going to require uh, additional proof of employment. They're going to want to see that you have income. And with so many of us having our income cut drastically, that's only going to lead to lower limits. So we, we, we can read between the lines there, credit card companies. <laughs> you can say one thing, but we know what's really going to happen. So we want all of our listeners out there just to be aware of that and to kind of take some of those steps ahead of time proactively in order to be in a strong position. Yeah, for sure. Matt, all right, after the break, we're going to talk about mortgage forbearance. And we're also going to talk about ordering non-essential goods right now. Is that something that we should be doing or, or not? We'll get to that stuff right after the break. I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. 
There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty? When it can be earning extra income on your behalf, it's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry, Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, man, we're back from the break. And before we talk about skipping out on paying your mortgage payment. (laughs) (laughs) Not always recommended, but it's something that some people might need to consider right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're we're saying that jokingly, but we'll we'll get to the details on that. Uh, But you kind of mentioned this sort of ethical question. So let's kind of slow down the car and kind of hang out here for a little bit. The the question has been raised, like, should we be buying these non-essential consumer goods online right now? An argument is being made that it might be unethical 
for employees uh, to be forced to work in unsafe conditions, you know, where they're fulfilling orders, whether it be in warehouses or fulfillment centers, things like that. But uh, yeah, man, what are your thoughts on that? Ooh, I think it's a good question. And I do occasionally like wandering into the that territory, the moral ethical quandaries moral <laughs> on this show. <laughs> but even though it's not something that we do frequently, but yeah, I, I think right when COVID hit and none of us really knew what to think, I did really cut down on non-essential purchases. And I think part of that was just a reaction of who knows what's going to happen in the economy. And I wanted to keep my money in my bank account and not be buying things that I didn't need. But at the same time, I was also a little cognizant of people being put in an unnecessarily unsafe position to make deliveries for things that weren't necessary. So yeah, I I completely understand that argument, but I'm starting to kind of change my mindset on this one. I think it's really a balancing act and we're all having to start to make decisions that aren't necessarily easy. Like we're not sure whether we should be going back to our jobs. Like are we are we safe if we go back to our jobs? Or some people have been continuing to work in an unsafe environment for this whole time. If you work in a grocery store or if you work in a hospital, right? It's still important for us to do the best we can to watch out for our own personal health, the well-being of our family and the people around us. But as state economies are starting to open up at different times, right, at different paces, These decisions of how and when we work and how and what we will buy become more and more personal choices. Like that's, they're really left to us to decide. And I think too, the question of what's essential is nuanced. Like what items are essential and what aren't? I I think you kind of know that. You probably don't need that pair of shoes and I don't really need to be buying some new t-shirts or anything like that right now. Yeah, you still have on that same stinky t-shirt that you did (laughs) last time we recorded. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Actually, you really do have the same shirt on (laughs) the last time we recorded. No, no, no. I've got a new shirt on if you oh, notice. okay all right uh the, the, the outer shirt that's still good for another few wears okay if you're yeah if you wear an undershirt which i haven't done it for a while now we don't need to be talking about this this is kind of weird but <laughs> however you have you, to you justify know what I'm talking it about, though right like, i do if you have an outer shirt i feel like you're good for several wears before it starts getting kind of smelly all right i didn't mean to throw you on the bus <laughs> under the bus on that one but yeah i think for for all of us it's kind of trying to figure it out and i think for all of us we're all kind of having to try to, to figure this out what our stances on a lot of things that we've not had to consider before. I think too, it's important to note a lot of these businesses need the orders and and people need to get back to work, even though it feels like a hard thing to do. And and so, yeah, I don't really feel nearly as guilty about buying non-essentials as I did like four or five weeks ago. Yeah, man, getting the economy kind of like back to where it was before, right? Like that's a big question that I ask is like another way to look at this is, okay, we're talking about warehouse workers, but what about like restaurant workers, right? Like we've been t- doing takeout since the beginning, essentially, in my opinion, like takeout is non-essential. We can all go to the grocery store, cook our own food. But I think a lot of us saw as takeout as a way to stimulate the economy. Like we saw that as a way to support some of these local restaurants and businesses, even though those people were in public, surrounded by other coworkers. Basically, they had a higher risk of getting sick from you know being out there. And so, like in that regard, I completely agree with what you're saying, though, which is it comes down to us as individuals. And I think it also comes down to the businesses specifically to take care of their employees. Like when I go to a restaurant and order takeout, like I trust that that employee is is being cared for well. If they weren't, you know, I think we're we live in a time to where that employee could kind of you know raise a red flag, and then at that point, it's up to us to kind of, you know, vote with our money essentially as to whether or not we're going to continue supporting that business or not. But I mean, so personally, like I don't see anything wrong with making non-essential purchases right now with around 70% of our economy dependent on consumer spending. Like the sooner we're able to get back to some form of, you know, quote unquote normalcy, like the sooner we'll be able to begin moving forward. And obviously like there are a lot of folks who don't have the ability to make their normal consumer purchases. 
But of those who do, I don't think there are any ethical questions when it comes to purchasing non-essentials. And of course, if you do feel that it's not the right thing to do, you know, then by all means, abstain from, from making those purchases. Like that is where it comes down to the individual to make up their own mind and to, you know, act accordingly. Yeah. So Matt, we actually just recently bought a couple art prints from an artist that we really like. Nice. And that particular artist is trying to be cognizant of the delivery issues and the health concerns of delivery workers. And so they said, we're going to delay actually shipping the prints until mid-May. I'm totally fine with that. I think that business is making a good decision yeah, for, cool. for themselves and for the people you know, in their community. And so I think that's like a really good place for it to happen. And business I'm, is still happening. The transaction is happening. You're still supporting that business, but let's eliminate some of the unnecessary risks. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That's real thoughtful. And I don't mind waiting to get my cool full car prints until <laughs> mid-May. So... <laughs> All right, let's move on, Matt, to mortgage forbearance, because that's another question that's on a lot of people's mind. And the amount of people in our country requesting mortgage forbearance has gone up in, in the last few weeks. It's something that more and more people are having to consider, sadly. And so you might be listening right now, and you've had to make that difficult decision to not send a mortgage payment today, because today's the first of the month. So if you are in the position of not being able to pay your mortgage provider, Let's talk about forbearance, how you go about getting it and how it's going to affect you, because these are the kind of questions, Matt, that are on people's minds right now, and especially right now at the beginning of the month, because this is where it all gets real. Yeah, man. First of the month, that's when that mortgage payment typically is due. Well, dude, the FHFA, which is the Federal Housing Finance Agency, uh, they clarified some rules just this week, actually, earlier this week about forbearance. Some lenders, some mortgage servicers, they were allowing borrowers to forego payments for a certain period of time, maybe like three or six months. But then they were forcing a balloon payment uh, for all of the missed payments at the end of that term. That's a crummy bill to get. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's like, okay, we knew you couldn't afford it then. And so we're going to just kind of pinch off that hose. And at the end, you're going to be forced to, to pay all of that back. Oh, by the way, while the economy is struggling and you're probably not getting paid nearly as much. Right. How does that help anybody? Not helpful at all, man. Right. So again, the FHFA, they clarify this and they stated that borrowers who are in forbearance with a Fannie Mae or a Freddie Mac backed mortgage they are not going to be required to repay that mispayment in that massive lump sum. Yeah. So if you've been told that by your mortgage service provider... That's old news. Yeah. Call them back and be like, what's up? I, I can't pay a, a lump sum at the end of this three or six months or however long that forbearance term is. Those payments should be tacked on to the end of the loan. So yeah, you can go to the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac websites, enter in your info to see if you have a mortgage that is federally backed by one of those agencies. And we'll link directly to those sites in the show notes. You could also directly contact your mortgage servicer to find out as well. So if your mortgage is not backed by Fannie or Freddie, you should still ask your mortgage servicer to abide by these rules. They don't have to, but you should ask. And another important thing I think for, for folks to know is that they should file a complaint with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau at consumerfinance.gov if your mortgage servicer is treating you poorly. That's the perfect place to file a complaint. Oftentimes, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau gets into action really quickly. They'll holler at your mortgage servicer and raise a racket on your behalf. And many times they start getting in line and treating you better right after something like that happens. <laughs> and yeah, and if you're having a hard time maybe you know being comfortable with the fact of asking for a discount, listen back to episode 18. This is an oldie, but we had an episode called The Art of asking for a discount. And in that episode, we talked folks through you know, a way that we thought was polite, but also effective as well. So yeah, listen back to that one. I still love asking for a discount. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do in life. It's like one of your pastimes. <laughs> and what we think this will end up looking like for a lot of folks is that those missed payments will be tacked onto the end of the loan. So for example, if you had a 30-year mortgage that originally would have been over, say, in March of 2045, 
than let's say you missed four months of mortgage payments this year due to you know hardship and forbearance. Well, then in that case, your mortgage will actually extend to July of 2045. They're just going to tack those four months onto the end. And so different mortgage servicers, they're going to have different approaches and programs. But the reason that we're talking about this now is, is for you to be aware that those programs even exist. Because for a lot of people, this is going to be a, a serious lifeline while we're having such a difficult time when it comes to our, our money these days. Yeah, Matt, it's important to note too that we're not sure how these mortgage service providers are going to approach your credit when you ask for forbearance. And there hasn't been any clarification there. So some people mm -hmm. might have a credit ding by getting forbearance, but it's still the right move to make if that is what keeps you afloat. If not having to make a mortgage payment for the next six months is, is what's going to help you get through. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, but I hate that we don't know that. And I wish yeah. that we could have some clarification there too, that the mortgage holders would not be able to adversely affect your credit score just because you asked for forbearance. That's not cool. And on the note of asking, I think that's another thing that you can ask your, your mortgage servicer is to not report to your credit bureau about this forbearance, because obviously it comes on the heels of, of a pandemic, something utterly unpredictable. But even with that being said, even if they say, yes, we are going to report it, remember what your credit score is for. Like it's to use, right? It's a tool. It's not a tool for you to keep shiny and perfect and pristine to mount on your wall. Like it's a tool to like take outside and dig in the dirt. <laughs> you know, like this is a tool that you want to use. It's just important to know that we don't want to over-prioritize having a pristine and perfect credit score, you know, that we that we never touch or ding or, or take out of the driveway because we don't <laughs> want, you know, the neighborhood kid to kind of bump into it with their car, like that kind of thing. Those pesky kids. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. Right. Well, <laughs> I think, Matt, too, it's important to talk about tenants real quick based on the, on the heels of mortgage forbearance. And sadly, there's not much we can say on in the area of relief for, for tenants who are having a tough time paying their rent. It comes down so much to your individual situation, talking to your landlord and trying to work through this. But knowing about mortgage forbearance could help you talk to your landlord about having extra time to pay your rent. Because if they have extra time to pay their mortgage, hopefully they can be lenient with you at the same time and offer you extra time to pay. So yeah, this is definitely something worth bringing up, worth adding into the conversation. If you're having trouble or you're struggling to pay the rent, then bringing this up and asking your landlord point blank, like, do you have access to mortgage forbearance? Would that allow you to, to help me give me a break during this time while I'm getting back on my feet? And eventually, of course, I will pay you, but, but it's just going to take extra time. And hopefully this mortgage forbearance gives you the ability to then in turn, give me a little more flexibility with, with the rent payments. Yeah. You as a renter, like you can be a resource to your landlord, which is super cool. So Joel, we mentioned those websites to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. We'll actually link directly to uh, the pages on their websites where you can literally look up your, your property and to see if it's federally backed. Uh, and we'll also have the links in there as well if you're looking at going ahead and securing a new credit card to have on hand just in case. And you can find those at howtomoney.com. Yeah, buddy. All right. I always love these Friday episodes. A lot of information to get out there. A lot of good information too at the beginning. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll keep hunkering down. And Matt, until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you.